Welcome to those of you who are guests. I see faces. You are here with family members. It is our tradition here to stand as we read from the Word. So I invite you to stand. I'll be reading our passage today from Acts chapter 19. And when I finish reading, there's a part for the congregation. You'll see your part on the screen where we thank God for the reading of this Word. So today, from Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. While Apollos was in Corinth... Paul took a route through the interior and came to Ephesus where he found some disciples. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you came to believe? They replied, we've not even heard there's a Holy Spirit. Then he, Paul, said, well, what baptism did you receive then? And they answered, John's baptism. Paul explained, John baptized with a baptism by which people showed they were changing their hearts and their lives. We call that repentance. It was a baptism that told people about the one who was coming after him. This is the one in whom they were to believe. This one is Jesus. After they listened to Paul, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in other languages and prophesying. Altogether, there were about 12 people. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Thank you for that. I have read that the trouble with going to church on Thanksgiving Sabbath, Thanksgiving weekend, could be multiple. A, we are in a food coma still. (laughs) Tell the truth. B, we don't fit into the pews, tell the truth. C, we spent all of our tithes and offerings yesterday. Anybody confessing? I might have been in downtown, thank you, I have one soul. I might have been in downtown Seattle yesterday when the Amazon treasure truck drove by and watched all the people get their goodies off the truck. We're in a food coma, we don't fit in the pews, we spent all of our money yesterday. See, someone's gonna get up front and talk about being thankful and grateful and I can't handle that. Someone's gonna stand up front and say, the Christians should live the joyful, grateful, thankful life. So come on everybody, get it together. But the truth is, this article said, the truth is, this author said, I don't feel grateful and I don't feel thankful. And my life is messy, and I bet your life is messy too. Telling people with messy lives to feel grateful is like telling a short person to grow up. It's not possible. So I'm not going to church on Thanksgiving weekend because I don't need the pep talk and I don't want a guilt trip. So welcome to the La Sierra University Church. We will not be preaching on being grateful this weekend. Although we have had that conversation and it is a great conversation. We have not planned a pep talk or a guilt trip or any of those things. One short story from the gospel, from Paul in actually the book of Acts. One short story, a few comments, we'll go home and eat some leftovers, maybe. Maybe. Acts 19 tells the story of Paul coming to town, Ephesus, it's a big deal town. Think New York, Los Angeles, Tokyo, think 
large worldwide cities. It's a big deal city. Paul comes to town. He comes upon a group of people who've already been taught by someone else. It's so helpful to remember whenever we step into a story, there's been a prior story. Someone else has been in this place and had this experience together. Apollos has left and now Paul picks up where Apollos left off. He meets 12 disciples. This is when he asks them the question, well, did you receive the Spirit when you were baptized? And they say, well, we've never even heard of such a thing. Oh, well, what was your baptism? Well, we were baptized with the tradition of John the Baptist, you know, the one that was out there yelling in the wilderness. Oh, Paul says, I, I, I see. Well, let me say a prayer over you. Let me pray for the Spirit of Jesus then. We'll add to it. So Paul prays a prayer for the Spirit. And when he finishes that prayer, they start speaking in tongues, which simply means they are overcome with their language. They start prophesying, which means they're telling the truth about God. Turns out that Paul goes on now for three months, Acts 19 says, in the synagogues. They're debating and telling the story of Jesus' life and the way of the kingdom and how this will reshape our lives here on earth. And some people don't like Paul's conversation. They're arguing back and forth in the synagogue, the Bible says. Eventually, they begin to sort of attack the disciples, and it's called the way, the movement of Jesus. They begin to attack these converts of Jesus, and Paul says, we don't need this. He takes the 12, they move on to the next city. This is the end of the story. What spirit? Were you baptized into? We've never even heard there was something called the Spirit of Jesus. Acts 19 records something that's remarkable to me. How could you have missed that this is the Spirit of Jesus? He asks a very simple question of them, and you think it's a very simple answer because of all of the other storytelling we have here in Scripture. How could you not know about the Spirit of Jesus? It's become a more complicated story over the centuries. I'll just name two of the ways Christians have contributed to making this a more complicated text than it actually is. First of all, we have said, well, this is really about when did you receive the Spirit, at baptism or after baptism? And it's become a debate among different kinds of Christians. It's the anchor point text. If you have Pentecostals or Assembly of God family or friends in your life, people who do get overcome with speaking. Pastor Mandy last weekend shared a story like that she overheard when she was a little girl. You've certainly seen or heard the same thing. I wandered into a church in Yukaipa a few years ago trying to get to know my neighborhood and I had no idea that's what I was wandering into. And you can immediately feel inadequate. I don't know how to do that. We've made this text about did you receive the Spirit at baptism or after baptism, and did you get the first part and the second part? But I think that's the wrong question. We complicate the story that way, I think. The second complication we bring to this story is that we say, well, this is a passage about knowledge. The disciples, they know part of the story, but not all of the story. What they need are a few more Bible studies. What they need is some theological correction. What these Jews need to know is that Jesus is the Messiah and if they would just claim Jesus as their savior, if they would actually repent, they have need of a savior too. If they would just fall on the name of Jesus. Yeah, what these people need is more theology, more Bible study. We've 
complicate this small little text, I think. If they could just get more theology, maybe then the words will come out of their mouth. You know, we believe in God the Father and Jesus the Son and the Spirit who comes. We believe in, in Mary conceived, who conceived as a virgin and that she gave birth to Jesus and he was crucified and he under Pontius Pilate and he died and, and he descended to hell and he rose on the third day and he went to live with God where he has ascended. It takes hundreds of years before Christians find that kind of language. That's not what hap what's happening in Acts 19. What we can say for sure, church, is there is no one uniform Christian experience happening yet. There's not even Christians yet. We complicate this text. I think it's very, very simple. We have not even heard there's a spirit. It doesn't necessarily need to be negative or, um, or uh, power-mongering or someone's up to some horrible, manipulative tactics, it could be very simple. I've just never heard of that. It could be. When I married my husband on a Thanksgiving weekend, before we got married, when I was meeting his family, you know that moment when you see what everybody else eats for the holidays? You know that moment? In that moment where you, you really eat that? You really like that? I've never, you could, you eat those things together? Have you been in those meals? My father puts the cheddar cheese on the apple pie, but it makes sense if you're from a certain parts of the country, right? Right, a few people? Has to be sharp cheddar cheese, has to be melted. But yuck, I don't like that. So my father, in my husband's kitchen, when I walked in and met his family and everyone's preparing the food, I see this green glass of water by the kitchen sink, and it is disgusting green, like growing crud kind of green, like monster green. And I'm watching as the cooking goes on, and every few minutes, a pot goes over to that glass of water, and someone dips, pours cooking water, goes into that glass. There goes the water from the baked potatoes. And pretty soon, here comes the water from the green beans. And pretty soon, here comes the water from the Brussels sprouts. God will save us from Brussels sprouts in the kingdom made new. Oh, that's what woke you? Brussels sprouts? All right, all in favor of Brussels sprouts? All of those who think they belong to the devil? We are a healthy church, about 50-50. Well, remember that. Here sits on the sink a water glass full of all of the cooking water. The potatoes, the green beans, the Brussels sprouts, the carrots, whatever got cooked on the stove. Am I telling the truth, Kirby Oberg? All of the water. Don't say sort of. <laughs> Don't say sort of. The water goes into a glass and the glass is green and gross and then I watch my soon-to-be father-in-law go to the glass and slowly start to drink it. And he puts it down and he licks his lips. And I'm like, people do that? People do that? People do that. If you are one of 13 children raised during the Depression, people do that. You're not missing any vitamins or nutrients. That water is gold, I learned. 
I've never heard of that. It could be simple here in Acts chapter 19. We simply never heard there was a Holy Spirit. It could be simple. Paul, Paul says, well, let me tell you a thing. There's a Holy Spirit. It comes, it comes in the name of Jesus. It's difficult to imagine they've just not heard of it because John the Baptist is so clear. Listen, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, listen how clear this is. Matthew 3, John says, I baptize with water. Those of you who have changed your hearts and lives. The one who's coming after me is stronger than I am. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of Mark, chapter one. John the Baptist was in the wilderness calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and they wanted God to forgive their sins. John says, one is coming who is stronger. I'm not worthy to bend over and loosen the strap of his sandals. I'll baptize you with water, but the one who is coming will baptize you with the Spirit. The Gospel of Luke, chapter one, the, the people were filled with expectation and everyone wondered whether John might be the Christ. John replied to them all, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than me is coming. I'm not worthy to, be, to loosen the strap of his sandals. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Gospel of John, why do you baptize if, there aren't, if, if you aren't Christ or Elijah or the prophet? And John answered, I baptize with water. Someone greater stands among you whom you don't recognize. This one comes after me. I'm not worthy to untie. Have you heard the story before? Oh, John the Baptist has been very clear and every gospel writer has grabbed a hold of it. One is coming after John who is greater. Put your trust in that one. Put your confidence in that one. Attach to that one. Wait for that one. Wait for the spirit from the hand and the life of that one. John the Baptist has been crystal clear. Which makes me ask the question, how is it possible they had never heard of the Spirit. How is it possible just a, a few years after Jesus that they've never heard? A young adult in my office a few weeks ago said, I've grown up all my life in the church. I understand scripture. I took baptismal lessons. I was studied here. Somehow I got that I need to repent, but I missed the rest of the part where something more is really supposed to be happening in my life. From baptism forward, there's more to the story. Somehow I got the idea that we hunker down after baptism, that we hang on to each other, that we hold on tight and we pray for deliverance. Somehow I got the idea we make the decision, we go into the baptismal waters and then we wait for God to rescue. Here is where Paul is right in the middle of that dilemma. There is a decision to repent, to turn from one's way, but I think there's another decision to turn again and fully embrace Jesus. In other words, there's a difference from turning from the old way of life, the old habits and rhythms and negative and, and traumatic ways of this world. There's a difference between turning from them and then making a full turn towards and into Jesus' future, church. This is what I hear Paul telling the disciples. You did part of the turn, but not all of the turn. All of the turn means we're relying now on Jesus to transform the rest of our days. And if I came back and visited you next week or next year, I would ask you again, did you receive the Spirit? You wouldn't quote that time that I prayed over. You would say, yes, I did. Today I received the Spirit fresh all over again. Because every day that's what's supposed to be happening in our lives. 
The days are unfolding in front of us, Jesus, taking our yesterdays, making these new tomorrows. So church, it leads me on this weekend to make one statement about this teaching. If we are not about the baptism of Jesus, what in the world are we doing? If any of us, our lives and collectively as a community, if what we are up to doesn't have the mark of Jesus, what are we doing? It's worth reflecting not only today because of where we are in this time in earth's history, but because every day the Spirit is another gift we receive. If it's not the baptism of Jesus, we're wasting our time. It might lead you to ask, well, how do we know for certain, certain it's the baptism of, the Je- of Jesus? How do I know for certain that, that the ways in which I'm moving around the world, the conversations I'm having, the priorities I'm making, how do I know if something is coming from Jesus. This is my very short list. It's what it looks like today, but it could look different next year. Because if you read the Gospels, especially Luke and Acts together, a story is building there. When we read those stories together, here's the themes that I see. Something is from Jesus if, first of all, it's startling. Something is startling, a startling outcome for good that I couldn't have imagined or asked or prayed for. It could scare me to death. It's so good. That's what the stories have been about in Luke and Acts. If it's, if it's startling for good, we're probably onto a spirit of Jesus experience. Number two, if it stretches me or grows me from where I've been to a new place. Over and over, these stories in Luke and Acts have been this way. I'm not sure, we're in new territory, I don't know, we've never done this before. Yeah, but if it's stretching me for good, we're probably in the territory of Jesus. Three, if it involves shared power and shared responsibility, it's probably the spirit of Jesus. Oh, it's over and over again. Pastor Mandy's story last week with the selection of the deacons the ministry of the word and the work going together. It involves all the people over and over. There will be shared power and shared responsibility. Maybe you picked up the story this week coming out of Bloomberg News. This is a a few months old already, but it's hit the news this week that in the nation of China, they're beginning the, the process whereby they will survey all citizens for their good behavior. Did you pick up this story? So it is, if you give blood and do acts of kindness and pay your bills and all the things, then merits come to you as a citizen. But if you speed or, well, watch this very short summary that's coming to us. Video. So it is already that citizens have, not, have been denied air travel and train travel because they're in debt or they've got a traffic violation. 
starting with the city of Beijing, moving out to the country, don't think that they're more special than us, or vice versa. Could happen anywhere. This is the opposite of shared power and shared responsibility. This is the opposite of what it looks like. In the gospel stories, in Luke and Acts in particular, we see the very opposite of this releasing of power, releasing of authority and responsibility to the point where deep trust is nurtured in the community. You go ahead and do Jesus in the spirit and I'll go ahead and do Jesus in the spirit and you go ahead and do. There's not a centralized hanging on of this. Shared power, shared responsibility. If you see that moving around, it's probably from Jesus. Number four, elevated priorities. Elevated priorities. I think it's Eleanor Roosevelt who talks about the way we spend our words, what we think and talk about. Eleanor Roosevelt says this, Great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, small minds discuss people. Think about how we spent our time over the holidays these last two days with our family and friends. Great minds discuss ideas, average minds events, small minds discuss people. Here's my adaptation for church community. Great communities discuss ideas. Average communities discuss events and small communities discuss people. If we find that we're in the muckety-muck, in the mud of rumor and gossip, if we're in the muckety-muck of kind of playground bullying with each other, and if we find we're living at that level, it's probably not of Jesus. Had a great conversation with our young adult daughters, both of them working in corporate America, a fascinating conversation on the ethics of vacation time and sick time as an employee in corporate America. Who would have thought over sweet potatoes, that's what it would be? When one says to the other, well, you know, in my company, these are, this is the protocol. Well, in my company, this is the protocol. Well, don't you hate it when some people, you know they're not really working and they just took a sick day because. Doesn't that bug you when that happens? And one says to the other, why do you even care about that? Well, why don't you care about that? Well, because why does it even matter? It's their sick days to take anyway. Why does it matter if they were really sick? Who has time to think about these things? Before the conversation was over, 30 minutes later, who has time to police and think about these things? Good grief. You get sick time, you get paid leave, you get vacation. Be an adult, be responsible, work it out. Who wants to sit in the HR office and be bogged down with these things? Corporate America talking. Fascinating. Great communities discuss ideas, average communities events, small communities discuss people. Jesus will elevate our conversation to big ideas and big things, friends. When you find you're less talking about people and more about the vision of the kingdom of God, we're probably on to something that's the spirit of Jesus. Elevated priorities. Finally, if you find that you want to set bigger tables and have bigger doors, over and over again in Luke and Acts, this is what we find. If you find you're enlarging your friendship circle, people are making their way into your home who you normally wouldn't have had a friendship with. 
If you find that you're enlarging the community here around the church and between our two campuses, if we find we're, we're setting a bigger table in the community, we're probably on to something that comes from the spirit of Jesus. Please don't mistake that we did that. That's the working of God. So we learned just within the last few days, we haven't even been able to share with anyone, the pastors just learned that we've applied for, we applied for, but we received a grant of $100,000 for our wellness warehouse here in our community. (laughs) I mean, that's of God. That tells you that the spirit of Jesus says there's a bigger table we can set in our community. See, I could tell you inspiring stories right now of Christians who once a month set tables and only Muslims and Jews and Christians come together or gangs who set tables and invite these very, what, fill in the blanks. The point is, if you feel inspired to have a bigger front door and a larger dinner table, we're probably on to something that's the spirit of Jesus. And it's a beautiful thing. Please notice I did not say it's a safe thing. It scares me to death. I met a little old lady, an older woman, I should say, an elderly woman on the sidewalk here in 2009. I'd just barely come back to this church. Small, tiny, African-American woman who met me on the sidewalk shook my hand and said, hello, pastor. I figure I'm her pastor. I don't know her, she's, we meet each other. She says, the spirit, the spirit told me, you're gonna be okay. I said, who are you? She said, it just doesn't even matter. I just wanted to give you that word. I said, are you a member of this congregation? No, 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 that happened a long time ago when I came in and they told me I had my own church across town. How amazing she could stand in front of the white preacher at the big church and say, the spirit told me you're gonna be okay. Bigger welcomes, bigger doors, bigger tables. Of course, I said, please come, please come. Nope, now is not the time, but maybe there'll be a time, she told me one day. Friends, this is my short list if there are startling outcomes, if it stretches or grows us, if there's shared power and shared responsibility, if it elevates our priorities so all of the sudden we're spending our free time talking about the dreams of God, if we imagine bigger doors, bigger friendships, bigger tables, we are probably onto the spirit of Jesus. Or more carefully said, the spirit of Jesus is probably onto us. And it's a beautiful thing. I have to tell you that in Acts chapter 19, the story ends with one group separating. Because in the synagogue service, it got so uncomfortable and the attacks got so dirty. Not not one group kicking another group out. It became so uncomfortable that one group separated and walked away and had to find life somewhere else. 
I have no plans of discouraging any of us from, pray, for, from praying for unity in our homes and among ourselves and in our larger communities. I have no plans of discouraging that prayer. But I wonder if a more urgent prayer might be for the spirit of Jesus today. It is the spirit of Jesus that brings our better outcomes. It's the spirit of Jesus that brings our best outcomes. It's the spirit of Jesus that brings us into God's future, La Sierra. While I was traveling, Kirby and I, the last two days, one of the airport conversations I overheard, I'm making my list for the holidays now, eavesdropping conversations, one of them, Middle-aged couple sitting together, well, younger than middle-aged, 35, 40, 40, I'll go with 40. So I told mom, we'll go, we'll show up. Okay, did you give her any ground rules? Now I told her uh, one thing for sure, we'll come, the kids will come, we'll stay for the meal, we'll be decent, you be decent, but the moment anyone mentions Jesus, we're out. I don't want anybody praying to Jesus, I don't want anybody giving my children a little Bible study on Jesus. I don't want anybody, anything about Jesus. No songs, no nothing, no Bible. The moment anyone mentions Jesus, we're out. And the husband says, okay, I can do that. So we have a plan? We have a plan. We can get through the holiday. It occurs to me that maybe they haven't yet heard of the whole spirit of Jesus. That maybe they got part one, but not the rest of the story, or maybe they got something that didn't sound at all, resemble at all the Jesus that we see in Luke and Acts. Friends, maybe they haven't even heard. So what N.T. Wright says of stories like this in Acts chapter 19, this is really now about what movement you'll be part of. Will you declare your allegiance to the movement of Jesus or not? Have you heard of that spirit? Yes, we have. Then thanks be to God this Thanksgiving Sabbath. Amen.